It's great if you're visiting, uh, a special welcome today. It's great to have you here. Do stay around. We'd love to uh, chat to you more, get to know you uh, after the service. And just to reiterate one of those and that church news is tonight our prayer meeting. Who's been to a prayer meeting at Jubilee before? I would love to see those hands double by the end of this year. Yeah? So uh, I know if, when we say prayer, people immediately get really scared that we're going to like stick a mic in your face and say, now pray. We, it's not. If you want to learn how to pray, the best place to learn how to pray is at a prayer meeting because you can just listen to other people's prayers and you can say amen at the end. So if you want to learn how to pray this year, if you want to go deeper into your relationship with God, I would encourage you, just come try a prayer meeting. And the joy of the one tonight is, for the majority of us, we don't have to be up tomorrow morning because it's bank holiday. You can come, you can enjoy it. And for those who do have to be up, thank you for keeping our country running. Um, next week, uh, next Sunday, it is our uh, gift day, and last week we heard from Steve as he uh, shared about TLG and about our plans to open the education centre at the rear of our building, and, and how the money that you give next week is going to go towards, thanks, I'm sorry, thanks Mark, that, that, yes, great, uh, you should have got one of those, um, so hopefully you've got one of these forms, which just tells us about uh, why we give uh, it tells us what we're going to be giving to, um, and it tells us how to give. If you've, not, if you've not been given one of those last week as you came in, or this week, then please grab this one. Or uh, at the end, there's an info point at the back. Please do go and grab one. It's really important for us. Um, and today, what I wanted to do is, um, is for some of us, when we heard that message, we, we're passionate about young people in our city. We're passionate about seeing them reach for the gospel. So you were cheering Steve on as he spoke and you were ready. I'm ready to give. For some of you, you, were, you felt stared by the message and you're, now you're thinking, I'm ready to give. For some of you, you, um, you thought, why is the church talking about money again? Um, for some people, it meant that they didn't even come today because they didn't want to hear about money again. Or maybe you're like, oh man, I don't want to hear it again. And and the danger is that uh, as we uh, approach a gift day, is we can just we can hear all about what we're doing, and then we can give out of emotion. We can be stared or not stared, and we can give out of our emotions. And we're hope we're we're believing that God wants to release over sixty thousand pound next week from this community to support the work. It's a faith goal. It's it's going to be massive, but I'm, we're believing God can do it. But we don't want to be like a charity who show videos of people suffering and show emotional videos and put some nice music in the background to, to guilt you into giving. That's not what we want. Because I believe that for us as Jubilee, not just for this gift day, but as we go into this season and forever, God wants us to be a church who is generous. That He, he wants Jubilee to be a church that is known for the way it gives. That we are to be a family who excel at giving. Who's up for excelling at giving today? Who's up for that? So there's more at stake next week than a gift day. There is something more. Because this is not just once a year we want to excel at a gift day and then carry on as normal. But next week we get to to put a mark in the ground. To say we are going to be a church who excels at giving from now moving forward. The vision of Jubilee being one where people are generous with their time. 
generous with their possessions, generous with their hospitality, and generous with their wallets. And for some of you, this message is going to encourage you about where you're getting it right. I hope it does. But for others, I believe it's going to deeply challenge us to the core, and it's going to unearth some deep idols that we have when it comes to money and our attitude towards it. Unfortunately, we can learn uh, lots about money from the Bible uh, because Jesus says a lot about it. You know, over 15%, 1-5% of Jesus' teachings was on money. And Jesus has a lot to say about money because in Luke 12, it says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You see, where you place your value is where you place your love. You know, you can see what you love by seeing where you invest your time, where you invest your energy, where you invest your money. There is no greater statement of faith than your bank statement. If you want to know what you believe, you want to know what you value, look at your bank statement. And from there, we're going to look at what it would look like for us as a community to excel at giving. And I'm going to be speaking today from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you've got a Bible or a, a, your Bible on your phone, you might want to pull it, to it, pull it up now. If not, it's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to read it to us. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, from what, verse 1 through to verse 12. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See also that you excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the, Lord, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, that through your, his poverty you might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work that, you're, that you so eager, you're, sorry, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if there is willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to the one who has, not according to the one who does not. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and he is holding up another group of churches in Macedonia as an example of what excelling in giving looks like. And so first what I want to do this morning is I want to look at what is happening in the church in Corinth, then I want to look at the church in Macedonia, and then I want to look at what it would look like for us to excel in giving in this next season. So firstly, the church in Corinth. Uh, the background of this letter is that severe famine has broken out. It's broken out in Jerusalem and it's is affecting the Jewish believers there. Paul, in some of his earlier letters, he has written to, a group, to, to groups of believers and he has asked them to send money in order to help those in need. Originally, the, the church in Corinth, they started well. 
But verse 10, Paul tells us, last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. The church in Corinth had wanted to help. They had started well, but somewhere along the line, something had changed. And Paul instructs them to finish the work that they started. He wants to encourage them to get back to giving. And he uses the church in Macedonia to inspire them. You know, you can still visit the ancient city of Corinth today. It lies about 50 miles west of of, of Athens. And at the time, it was known for its wealth. It had a major port which controlled a lot of what was coming in from the east and from the west. And it was known for being a city full of luxury. A a group had become Christians in this city. um, But no doubt that these believers would have still been wealthy compared to believers elsewhere. And they would especially have been wealthy compared to those suffering the famine in Jerusalem. For, For the Corinthian believers, Paul wants to remind them of what Christ has done. Verse 9 it says, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Because of what Jesus has done, it changes everything. Although they were living in a wealthy city, their money and possessions were no longer what they lived for. Paul wanted them to remember that as followers of Jesus, their minds need to be transformed. They're not to live like the whole culture around them. They're they're living in this city of luxury, but they are not to live a life of luxury. You know, for us in Hull, we may not often feel very wealthy. We can see poverty around us. We can see our house prices compared to house prices in the rest of the country. We can see, we can go to places like London and we can experience the, the price of eating out. And we can think wealth is for others. However, if you look at the stats, it would tell a different story. If you earn either through work or through benefits, £1,100 per year, that's £91 per month, then you are in the top 20% of earners in the world. If you are living in a house and you have clothes to wear, let's see any naked people this morning, That puts you in the top 15% of the world's wealthiest. If you earn over £19,000 per year, that puts you in the top 10% of the world's earners. So like in Corinth, the majority of us are very wealthy compared to the rest of the world. And so often we want to use our wealth for good, but just like the church in Corinth, our enthusiasm can disappear. And Because the truth is that those with most are often most reluctant to part with what they have. For the church in Corinth, they had started well. Maybe when it comes to giving, you started well. You were generous with money, but over time, something changed. It may be that over time, the amount you earn increased, but you never changed the amount of money that you gave back to God. Maybe during a season, for whatever reason, you stopped giving and you never started again. Maybe you got a little upset by the church for whatever reason and you stopped giving. Maybe you just got used to having extra money. Maybe you gave at a previous church, and then since you joined Jubilee, you never started giving here. Paul is calling the church in Corinth to finish the work they have started and to give to those in need. How we use our money is important. And in the Old Testament, God's people were instructed 
to give a tithe, to give 10% of what they had to God. Now in the New Testament, we don't find tithing. So at Jubilee, we don't teach 10%. However, we believe that the New Testament presents a very different model, which is about sacrificial giving. For some, that might mean 10%. That might be a good marker. But for others, it might mean much more. And we give to church because we find in Scripture, it tells us it is right that those who serve the church are paid. And secondly, because actually all ministry requires money and resources. And if we want to see people coming to know Jesus and seeing his kingdom advance, then it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, and it's going to take finance. I wish it was different. <laughs> wish we didn't need the money. But if we, all ministry requires money. And the money that you give next week will give the, provide opportunities to reach people with the gospel. You might never even meet them or see them. I think of Jubilee and I think of all the people over the years who have sacrificially given. Some of those were part of us and have since moved on. Some have since died. Some have never actually been part of our community but have given. These people made sacrifices to build something that we could benefit from. I thank God for the Methodist movement. If you don't know, this building was built by the Methodists. I am so thankful that people gave sacrificially, gave their money, gave their time, gave their energy to build something that we could now enjoy. I want to be... I want Jubilee to be full of people who want to go beyond where they have been. I want Jubilee to be a, a people who would look to the future, to, look to, to hope that future generations would see God do something that we've not seen, to have a big view of what God can do. As we approach our gift day, have a big view of who God is and what he can achieve. And Paul knew that the church in Corinth gave. He knew that as they gave, it would not only affect the church in Jerusalem experiencing famine, but it would deeply affect them as people. For the church in Corinth, with all their wealth, giving would go in the face of the culture around them. The world is constantly speaking to us and telling us what we need. And it is so often contrary to what the Bible says. And moments like a gift day, as you give... It gives a chance to break down the idol of money and the hold that the world has on you. As you submit to God, he can transform your mind from the things of this world onto the kingdom. So often we use money as an idol, but we can tear it down. So often we can use money as a security blanket, or we use money in order to fit in, or ease the fear of being rejected. But as we give, we overcome that fear. As we say our lives are not about how much we have, but who we have on our side. As we give, we show God that we rely on him, not money. Therefore, we overcome this idol of money. Matthew 6, 24, this is what Jesus says. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devo devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He speaks about money so much because we like to make it an idol. He says here we cannot serve God and money. If we get our identity from the salary we earn, the car we drive, the clothes we wear, we will look down on others who don't have as much. As we give, we tear down the idol 
of money and we put Jesus in his rightful place as number one in our lives. What an opportunity. So what about the church in Macedonia? What do we find there? Going back to verse 2, it says, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. The example Paul holds up is one of a church who gave from a place of extreme poverty. Not only that, but they didn't give grudgingly. It says that they gave with overwhelming joy. Turn to the person next to you and just say, overwhelming joy. Turn to the other person, apologize for not speaking to them first. Say, overwhelming joy. If you give already to Jubilee, do you feel overwhelming joy when you give? If you give via standing order, when you look at your bank statement, do you have overwhelming joy when you see that money go out? You are giving to advance the kingdom. It is such a privilege and we must find joy in it. If you are giving grudgingly, please don't give. When we pass the buckets around each week, please, if we're passing the buckets around, give it to every single person. If you give via standing order, hold on to that bucket for a moment and feel overwhelming joy. Say, thank you that I get to partner with that. Even if you're not putting something in because you give in other ways, take a moment. Take a moment to thank God for what, you have, what he has done in your life and what he will do through the money that you give. Experience the joy that is on offer. I feel sad when people don't give. Not be, thanks, Mark. Not because I'm, not because I'm missing out. Not, not because I'm missing out on your money. I don't worry if I'm going to get paid or not. I, I can get another job. You see me at McDonald's in a couple of weeks. It's fine. It's fine. I'll get another job. But you are missing out on the joy that it is to give. When you give, you experience that joy. And if you don't feel like you have much to give, then from experience, the best time to start giving is when you have little. If you get into a habit of giving, it just becomes a normal part of your life. Then when you get more, it's not a massive adjustment to make. You just joyfully give some more. I am so thankful. I had the privilege of having parents who taught me about giving when I had my pocket money. And at the time... I wasn't so thankful. <laughs> they always gave me my pocket money just before the church offering. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a very brilliant way. If you're a parent, do that. Say, here's your pocket money and there's the church offering. Do what you will. <laughs> so glad they taught me that. So glad. Because you know what happened? When I got my first Saturday job, I was used to giving. I knew that God had blessed me with much and I give much. When I got my first full-time job, it meant I could just increase the amount. For some of you, if you've never started to give when you had a little, it's a little bit harder to start. It's worth it, but it's harder. Don't wait until you feel like you have enough to start giving. Be like the Macedonian church who were generous with the little they had. Remember that woman who gave. And all the people were giving their big amounts in the temple and she had this tiny, tiny amount. She was almost embarrassed and God 
Jesus looked and that's, that's the heart. That's the heart of a giver that I love. If you have a little, you have something to give. It blesses the heart of Jesus and it'll transform your heart. Because when we see the Macedonian church, they gave above and beyond. Uh, verse 3 says this, For I testify that you, they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. This is not a call to get into debt. We want to be people who are generous with our resources. So we are generous in compared, compared to our resources. That means that we don't get into debt in order to give. But we give what we are able with a generous heart. That's why Paul instructs the Corinthians, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. We give out of generosity according to what we have. But this giving should be sacrificial. If you have nothing to give next week, spend time this week praying that God would give you something to give. When as a family, we sat this week and we talked about what we would give. And if you, are, as, a, as an individual or as a family, maybe you could mirror this question. We, we asked ourselves, how much would stretch us beyond what is comfortable? Second question, what will it cost us? And the third question, is that a sacrifice? I've got an incredible wife who's full of faith. And I always say, I think we should give this amount. And she says, nope, more. <laughs> okay, I'll go without. But it's got to be a sacrifice. Ask, what is going to stretch us beyond our comfort? For some of us, it will mean going without certain things for a season. For others, it may mean you need to change your lifestyle choices. When you give beyond your means, you invite God in. The times I have felt furthest away from God is the times where I feel like I have been managing well. When I feel like I have been without need. But when we become weak, we get rid of that security. In our weakness, God becomes our strength. Today, today, what God is not saying is next week, show us what you've got. Show us what you've got, Jubilee Church. He knows what we've got. He ain't that impressed. He knows. No, instead, what we're saying to God, here is our offering. Show us what you've got. Show us how you provide. And this is a big one for me because if I'm honest, I'm not reliant enough on God. I say I, can, I trust him, but then I always want a little bit of money in my bank account just in case. As I give, I become weak. I don't like that. But I know it's good for me because I know who my God is and I know that he will provide all my needs. And the example that we find with the Macedonians is they actually pleaded to be part of this offering. It says this, entirely on their own, they urgently plead with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Steve, how many times have you had someone urgently plead with you? I don't think anyone's ever, I've never gone up to a church leader and urgently pleaded with them. No one's ever come up to me and said, Dan, we need another gift day. <laughs> it seems that Paul was also quite surprised that they were so willing. 
Maybe he assumed that the churches with more money would be the first to give. But here we see the church with little wanting to be part of it. I love that we are part of regions beyond. And I love what he's doing across the world and the relationships that are developing with us and with churches across the nations. And I know from experience that many regions beyond churches have the Macedonian heart in their DNA. I have heard of offerings, global offerings, and the first churches to give are the poorest of our churches in India. I have heard of stories of poor church, of a, of a, well, I heard a particular story, I think I've shared this before, where a poor church, a, a, a church in a really poor back, background in, in South Africa, they took it up an offering and they gave the whole of their offering to Chester Street Church Plant in Durham. And when I heard that, I was like, hang on. So a church in Africa who are in immense need took up an offering and sent it to Durham. Just think about that for a minute. What? That's crazy. As we give, we're not doing it to impress God. As we give, we are accepting the invitation that he gives to partner with what he is doing. As we give, we get to launch this new project and then we get to watch what God does. I long to see a move of God in our city. Who, who shares that? Who wants to see God move in our city? I long to see hundreds and thousands of people turning to God and as we make a choice to partner with God, he will not disappoint us. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We give because we are thankful for, to God, but the bonus is we get to see what he does. That doesn't, mean we, that doesn't mean reaping generously does not mean that if we give five pound, we get 10 pound back. That's not how God works. But what it does say is that if we sow, we will reap. So if we give generously, God will give back to us generously. Sometimes that might be financial. But sometimes, and most of the time, it will be spiritual. We always gain from giving. You know, you can't play the system. God is looking at your heart. He rewards the heart. We don't give to get something out of it. But we give with a heart of worship. And then we worship God for all he will do with the money that we have given. Both in the lives of others and in our own lives. And the last thing that Paul tells us about the church in Macedonia is that they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, but then also to the will, uh, but also by the will of God, also to us. The Macedonian church first gave to God. As we give, we show God that we are thankful for all that He has done in our lives. It's been said that the, the last thing to get converted is your wallet. And I think we could be on to something here because when we recognise that what God has given us, when we demonstrate his thankfulness, our response rightly is that we sing songs. It rightly is that we worship him with our mouths. But it's also that we worship him with our time, we worship him with our energy, and we worship him with our finance. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So often we want to treat money as ours. When we realise that it is God's, everything is God's anyway, that we're just looking after it, it changes how we think. 
Suddenly, it's not mine to lose. When we treat money as our own, we hold on to it tight. When we realize it's God's, we say, it's not mine to lose. It's God's to use. They first gave to the Lord, and in doing so, they committed to other believers. Their offering showed not only their commitment and their love for God, firstly, for Paul, who they were in relationship with, but also their commitment to the struggling church in Jerusalem. As we commit to the work of, of t- we, as we give, we commit to the work of this church with TLG and all the impact that it will have on the most in need in our city. So finally, what about us? Verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. The church in Corinth had so much to shout about. Paul says that they excelled in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in love. They were doing well. What an example. I would love people to say that about Jubilee. But it seems like they weren't quite excelling in the gift, in the grace of giving. At Jubilee, I want people to find us being a people who excel in the grace of giving. So how are we going to excel? Firstly, we remember Jesus. He makes himself nothing. Jesus' poverty was his humility in coming to earth and living as a man and going to the cross. We have become spiritually wealthy because Jesus experienced poverty. We need to demonstrate that generosity, giving up everything for the one who gave up everything for us. Secondly, we remember that as we give, it is an act of worship. We don't do it out of guilt or out of duty. We then give according to our means. Next week, don't give what you've not got. How do we, fourthly, how do we excel in the grace of giving? Well, it takes 10,000 hours, apparently, whoever did the research, to become an expert in anything. If I want to become an expert in giving, that's a lot of hours. We practice again and again and again. And finally, how do we excel is we look at every area of our lives. Next Sunday is a focus on our bank accounts and our money. But are you willing to be generous with your time, with your possessions, with your home? Today I want us to consider whether we are more like the Macedonians or the Corinthians. The Corinthians excelled in so much. I want to just say it is an absolute privilege to call you family. Absolute privilege. Because you might not realise this, But across the UK, people talk about us. Um, What God has done amongst us is quite incredible. We get people emailing and speaking to us and asking to come and visit Jubilee from other churches around the UK to see what we're doing. It's causing a bit of a ripple. And every time I end up scratching my head, I'm like, what? Why do you want to come and see us? It's really not that impressive. But what God has done, what God has done is incredible. And it is a privilege to walk with you and to see what God is going to do amongst us. It is is absolute joy to see the commitment that you have to each other, to building relationships, the way that you joyfully and willingly serve, 
The way that every single week homes are opened up and people are welcomed in. The heart that you have to reach the most needy in our community, to express God's heart to the poor, it is an absolute privilege to lead you. We don't always get it right. We're not a perfect church. Sometimes, in fact, we make a right mess of it. You know when people hear the, they hear the success stories, they don't hear the failures, do they often? We've made such a mess at times. But I want to encourage us that God is using us and we are excelling in so much. You are excelling in so much. And as today, as we focus on excelling in giving, I realise that we wouldn't be where we are today if many of you have not understood this already and excelled in the grace of giving. I realise that. For many of you, you understand all that I've just said and you are excelling already. But maybe for some of you, you're doing the right thing, but your heart has changed. Maybe you give reluctantly. Maybe it's less than sacrificial. Maybe you're giving, but you're not quite, you wouldn't quite describe it as excelling in giving. For others, you had a commitment to start giving. Maybe you, maybe it is about, maybe for some of you, you started well, like the church in Corinth, but something's changed. Maybe for others, it is a, you need to start giving for the very first time. Maybe you've never realised some of the stuff I've been saying about the need to give. Maybe you never realised that there is a call on every believer to give into the life of the church. Maybe you have realised and you've just chosen not to give up to this point. Today I want to encourage us to make them, uh, the right move towards excelling in giving. God is wanting us to do so much in our city. He is wanting to use us here and he is wanting to use us in the nations. He doesn't need us. He can choose not to use us. But unbelievably, ridiculously, he chooses to use us. He chooses to use us to work out his plans and his purposes in this city. Are we willing to partner with him today? This invitation to partner with God. There is an invitation for us to... God is going to move in Hull. Do we believe that? God is wanting to move afresh in our city and our region. We are believing, hopefully you know our vision, Hull 2030, that within our city we're going to work with other churches to see 20 churches planted in the next 11 years by 2030. It's a massive vision. God is using churches already. There are many churches in our city where God is breaking out. There is many churches where people, they're seeing people become Christians. They're seeing lives transformed. And I am so thankful for all those churches. I'm not going to start naming them because I'll miss them out. There's so many. God is doing so much. And unbelievably, we get a chance to partner with him. We get a chance to play our part. And it is a small part. But we get to partner. And I would just ask you, we're going to go back into a time of worship. And I would just ask you to consider how you are playing your part. And I want you to consider what excelling in giving in this next season would look like. Maybe it is a conversation to be had over the lunchtime, over lunchtime with your family. What would excelling in giving look like for us? Maybe it's just a, you need to 
have some time this week just to sit and listen to God. Let him challenge you about what excelling in giving. For many of us, we're heading in the right direction. For some of us, and I realise every time I think about gift day, I realise I need to take a step towards excelling again. I start to think about all the things that I'd miss out on. I start to think about how else I could spend it. Here's our opportunity. So spend some time reflecting. We're going to go back into some worship. We want to hear from God as well. So if you feel like you've got anything to share, please do come and speak to Andrew and Sue. But let's worship God.